Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Revival Cry Today. So excited to be with you. This is Eric Miller. Been looking forward to sharing a message with you the Lord's put on my heart today. Before I get to that, I just want to encourage you to be in prayer for us. We will be traveling on a missions trip to Italy on September 18th through October 12th. We'll be ministering on the island of Sicily, in the city of Florence, and also in the region of Naples. We have many friends that we've known who are missionaries for over 20 years in a couple of those locations. And then back a couple months ago, a brother in the Lord contacted me, said the Lord spoke to him in the middle of the night to want to call us to come and preach and teach on revival and missions in Italy. So we really believe this is like a Macedonian call type of situation that Paul experienced as well. And I just want to ask for your prayer during that time. If the Lord would speak to you, want to help support what we do, you can go to our website, revivalcry.org slash giving. That's revivalcry.org slash giving. And you can make a donation to help us on this upcoming missions trip. Amen. Well, Father, I thank you for your word today. And I would pray that as we open up the scriptures and we talk about family today, that, Lord, you would be glorified and hearts would be encouraged today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you about activated by home. We're very familiar with the scripture verse in Joshua 24, verse 15. It says, and Joshua speaking to Israel, it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of that river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No matter what phase of life you're in right now, whether you're single, married, you have kids, grandkids, etc., you know, the future of the entire world is affected by how you and I deal with our past. When Joshua is speaking to Israel, he says, you got to choose where you're going to live in life, who you're going to serve. Because if you're going to serve the Egyptians who made you a slave in the past, and Egypt is a picture of sin, if you're going to serve the sin that used to rule and control you in your past, you know, that's not going to allow you to move forward in the purpose and destiny that God had. Remember, uh, God has for your life. Remember what the Lord said, that the whole purpose of leaving Egypt was he wanted to take them to the 
promised land that he had for them. And so Joshua is saying, whether you're going to serve the gods of Egypt or the gods on the other side of the Jordan River, which are the Amorites, you got to choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, I know who we're going to serve. But what about you? Egypt represents our old man, the sinful nature, which maybe a lot of us don't live like that anymore, but it's the gods of the Amorites. It's the renewing of our mind. It's on the other side of the river. You know, we're born again, and now we're having to deal with our own issues in our minds, you know, patterns of thinking, uh, ways that we talk and we respond, react to people. Romans tells us we got to renew our minds. And so we all have to deal with that as Christians after we get born again. We have to decide in the Lord, am I going to allow my past to dictate my future? Am I going to follow the Lord, keep in step with his Holy Spirit without lagging behind or trying to get ahead of God, but just move forward with him? I have found that the best school of ministry that any of us could be in is our families. Now, you might say, well, Eric, you don't know my family. You don't know how harsh my mom, my dad was, the abuse I went through. And I'm not saying every family's got to be perfect in order for God to teach us something. What I'm saying is, is that there's a reason why God calls himself father. He wants families to represent what his kingdom looks like. In Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. You see, God's desire and design is for family to be the training and equipping ground for our children, not only to, you know, make us happy because they honor us, but ultimately because they honor the Lord. As parents, our job is ultimately to give our kids back to Jesus. They don't just belong to us. They are a gift. They are a reward that God gives to us in our marriage We have five amazing children that I'm so grateful for and seeing what God's been doing in their life. But at the end of that verse five in Psalm 127, it says, and they shall speak. In other words, they will contend with the enemies at the gate. After you and I are long gone, those who come after us are carrying on the heritage, are carrying on the legacy that we leave behind. Where you are now matters to the success and the fulfillment of the destiny God has for your life. There was something the Lord spoke to me the other day. It just kind of dropped in me while I was sitting there meditating on the word of God. There's seven points here. Number one, when the enemy attacks children, his goal is for offenses to derail their destiny. Things that separate us from people that we need to ask for forgiveness for. Or we want people to forgive us for what we've done. And then number two, when offended people get married, they develop false expectations of each other. 
Obviously, the Lord sets the standard in our life. That's why we always say a marriage includes three people, not just a husband and wife, but the Lord. And as we learn how to love him, we learn how to love and honor each other above ourselves. But so many marriages struggle and end up in separation and divorce because we have expectations of each other that aren't realistic for the most part. We don't allow each other to have room to grow or to even fail. Number three, when homes lack harmony, we cannot extend God's blessing to the next generation. If people are growing up offended, getting married offended, and not getting healed from these things that they think sometimes time will just take care of it and they can move forward. No, friend, time doesn't deal with offense. Only forgiveness does. And if we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts and minds, we're not going to be able to bless the next generation. We're only going to be cursing them. Maybe not cursing them with words, but with attitudes, no vision, no expectation that anything's going to get any better for them because they're not seeing their parents or guardians submit themselves to the Lord. Isn't it in Malachi, the last chapter talks about that in the last days, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And if that doesn't happen, He's going to smite the lamb with a curse. Not that God wants to curse, but he wants fathers, he wants mothers to turn their hearts towards their children. That should be our desire. We should have that responsibility that when we have kids that we want them to be raised in meaningful, developing families that their personality isn't squelched or pushed aside or we try to make them into somebody else, but we gladly submit ourselves to the Lord and watch him cultivate our children's relationship and becoming who they are and the gifts and talent, skills and abilities developing. You know, I know we just had the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which is an incredible answer to prayer. But my friend, our problems are so much bigger than lawmakers overturning the right of Roe versus Wade. Our problems are really in the home. It has to do with marriages. It has to do with children. It has to do with the church not living in compromise and making sure that we are blessing the next generation. The reason why many people don't want what we have in the church nowadays is because in the church they see all this compromise. They see hypocrisy. They see divorce. And I'm not saying we have to be perfect but what I am saying is that Jesus is our perfection. And if we're walking with him and being renewed in our minds and it's manifesting in our marriages and in our families, then our kids should be growing up with a greater opportunity to know the Lord, a deeper revelation and meaning than what we even had because we are passing on that blessing to the next generation. And number four, when local churches are divided, the road to unity is detoured by our good works. It's hard to be in unity in the body of Christ when you have people coming from different experiences, backgrounds, family structures, Maybe they knew the Lord. Maybe they didn't know the Lord. And now we're bringing it to church. And we wonder why. We think being in a building together is what unity looks like. And I want to tell you, unity is bigger than just being in one room together. Unity is about being of one mind and one accord. Like they were in the day of Pentecost. That's why the baptism in the Holy Spirit came. 
It wasn't because somebody said, just repeat these words after me. I'm not mocking anything, but I'm saying, friend, the reason why people don't want Pentecostal fire and charismatic fire is because they don't believe that we believe what we say. And I want to encourage you that if we want to pass on this blessing, the fire of God to the next generation, if we want to see unity in the body of Christ, we have got to deal with the sin, the unforgiveness. As we do, we learn how to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. God knows how to bring unity and agreement to the body of Christ. Next, when the church has no expectation for revival, the world becomes hopeless. Yes, I know the world is hopeless already, but it becomes darker the more that sin matures and grows and takes over and rules everything. Friend, we're called to be the salt and the light of the world. The church should be on fire, should be experiencing revival all the time. And I'm not just talking about meeting as I'm talking about personal revival. I'm talking about the body of Christ walking in obedience in the purity of integrity and righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Because then those who are living in darkness, they will see a great light. People who are living in darkness are ones who are bound by sin, just like you and I were. If I can encourage you with anything today, I want you to feel the responsibility of getting rid of that offense in your life, that unforgiveness, that thing that separates you from God or from someone else, and release forgiveness and healing. Just a couple more here. When there's no missions movement, souls remain unsaved. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of it wasn't just to fall on the ground and uh, speak in tongues. I believe in speaking in tongues, and I don't care if people fall on the ground. But... What matters is that there's a missions movement, because I believe that's what God wanted with the baptism of the Spirit. Didn't Jesus say in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. There was momentum. All of the personal sin that you and I hold on to, it holds back and it keeps the kingdom of heaven from moving forward. And it keeps this world living in darkness if we do not let go of our past and the things that we need to be free from. Lastly, when the Great Commission is not being fulfilled, the Father stalls Jesus' return. Look, I understand God is sovereign, and I understand that He has a perfect timing when Jesus will come back. But I also understand that in the great wisdom of God, that he is partnering with the body of Christ, the church. Why else would we pray? Why else would we fast and seek the Lord for souls to be saved, for breakthrough, for revival, for missions, evangel, all these things, churches being planted and marriages being restored? What's the point of praying for that if God's just sovereign and controls everything and we have no responsibility? Of course we have a responsibility. I'm not trying to get into a Calvinist, Arminianism uh, debate. If you want to listen to some of that, go to Dr. Michael Brown's stuff. <laughs> and I believe it's important. You need to come to certain conclusions and stuff. I'm not trying to tell you what to believe. But Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. If we don't pray because we don't feel the weight of responsibility that the Great Commission will be fulfilled, then we are not partnering with God for his perfect timing to be fulfilled. 
God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We need to stop trying to figure out everything and declaring when he's going to come back and simply give ourselves over to doing what he asks us to do. And if we'll allow ourselves to be activated in the home, the place of nurturing, the place of maturity. My, my prayer is not that we would just stop abortion, stop divorces, but that we would have godly families, that we would feel this weight and burden of the Lord to represent his kingdom well. I believe family is God's apostolic blueprint for the church. I really do. I believe that family is called to represent the kingdom of heaven. While I understand there's a business side to the church, there's a reason why God doesn't call himself the president and CEO of Heaven Incorporated. He calls himself Father. That means if we would see value in being sons and daughters, spouses, husband or wife, father, mother, grandparents, if we would see the value that God's given us to represent him on this earth, I believe our whole mindset about church will change. Our whole responsibility will change because we won't push our kids off and drop them off at the church and ask the youth pastor or the pastor to fix them. But we're going to bring our kids and Jesus with us to church. And we're going to deal with issues. And while I have no problem people responding to altar calls, I give altar calls. I have no problem with people, you know, praying for their marriage and different things. Awesome. The church should be a place to do that. The church is a great hospital. But ultimately, we're trying to teach people to come to Jesus. We want them to know that they could go directly to the doctor. That they don't have to go through anybody else. And if we would learn how to walk with God individually and as married couples and as families, then we're going to see breakthrough and success and longevity for the things of God to be established in and through our family lives. I want for generations to come. I pray blessing over my family. I pray blessing over your family. And we break curses in Jesus' name. And we declare that the wholeness of the kingdom of God will take place in your home. And that in your home will be the greatest school of ministry that there can be. Oh, friend, I want to encourage you to be on fire for Jesus. When we say that, I'm not just saying zeal, I'm not just saying passion, but I'm saying righteousness. I'm saying upholding the things that matter to God. I'm saying that if you and I would see the importance of family and that it is bigger than we realize, then we will understand why the kingdom looks like family so much. In Psalm 68 verses 5 to 6, it says, A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Verse 6, God sets the solitary or the lonely into families. I'm going to say that again. God sets the solitary, the lonely into families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You know what's amazing about the word solitary? It not only means 
lonely, but those who are lonely that the Lord loves. You know, often we hear preaching about God's angry with the wicked every day. And that's scripture in Psalms. It says that. But that doesn't mean that God hates the sinner. God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Even the scripture is telling us the most lonely people in the world are people without Jesus. The people that God loves and gave his life for are the ones that he wants to be in families. We know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus today that you would see that the greater revelation that we have that God wants to use the church as a family would help us to see the bigger picture of what we are to do. Isn't it amazing that God says the you know, true religion in, in the book of James is taking care of widows and orphans. It's making sure that people don't feel forgotten or lonely or separated. And while we look at family as wanting to extend ourselves to take care of those whose families may be broken and experiencing, you know, being a widow or orphan, I want to encourage you that in your home with your family are your number one disciples is your number one responsibility to raise your kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, in the love of the Father. You know, in John 49, Jesus was talking with the disciples, and Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Our ultimate goal in this life, is to reveal the Father to our sons and daughters. And to take in widows and orphans, yes. All of that is to reveal the Father. You know, I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast yet before, but I had an interesting thing happen with each one of our five children that were born in different stages of life. When Sierra, who's our eldest and she's 24 right now, was born was about to be born, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Eric, I want her to see your face as the first face she sees because you represent me to her. And do you know that she was born in Salisbury, Maryland, that that doctor in that hospital turned to me and said, would you like to deliver your daughter? And I was shocked. And so I deliver my daughter. And do you know the second time we were in a hospital, but still using a, a midwife in Pensacola, Florida, for our second oldest daughter, Abigail, that midwife turned to me and said, would you like to deliver your daughter? And I did. And then the third time, our son Jonathan, who was born in Lewis, Delaware, the doctor turned to me and said, would you like to deliver your son? And then the fourth time, David, we're in the Philippines, another country now. The midwife, it was my wife's first home birth. And as she's giving birth, 
The midwife says, do you want to deliver your son? I'm not kidding you, friend. This has happened four times. And then lastly, for Hannah, our fifth, she was also born in the state of Delaware. We actually had a Filipino doctor who turned to us and said, would you like to deliver your daughter? Five times that's happened to us. That happened to me. I want you to reveal the father to them. I heard a, a brother in the Lord, he works with YWAM. His name is uh, Daniel Hoodeling. He said, if we don't work for God's love, we work from God's love. Let me say it again. We don't work for God's love. We work from God's love. Do you know in family is where our children will learn love? Our children will learn, yes, responsibility and discipline, all those things. But ultimately, it's the foundation of love. I don't want my kids. I don't want your kids. I don't want your future children to grow up trying to prove themselves to God and to other people, trying to win God's favor to get him to like them. Friend, I want to encourage you. Teach your kids at home. Let's make our homes be a place of activation to where they experience the love of the Father, even at a young age. And if they don't understand all the theology, then when they get old, this is the reason why we discipline our children because God disciplines those who he loves. And so we lovingly correct our children. We don't do it out of anger, but we correct them with the purpose of revealing to them the love of the father. And as they grow up in that sense of atmosphere, you know, where again, not understanding all the doctrines of the Bible yet, but they're learning as they go and they're seeing these things modeled and put into practice Friend, this is how our families can become sanctuaries where God moves in power through. Listen, I want to encourage you today that you are loved and maybe you experience very difficult challenges. Maybe you were adopted. And I want to encourage you, friend, you don't have to repeat what you experience, but you can be healed from it. You can restore and allow God to restore you and do things in and through your life that you never thought you'd do. I had a stepfather, step siblings, and it was like World War III when we all moved in together, but God moved in power. My prayer for you today, friend, is that you would know the love of Jesus and be healed and restored. Allow him to use your home as a place of activation to where the spirit of God is moving and the glory of God is manifesting all around your family life. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.